Hello, everybody. I'm Warren Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Natasha Cowden coming to you from Colorado Springs, Colorado. And we'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. On today's program, a closer look at a Christian college offering courses to prisoners that raises more questions than it answers. Plus, a new LifeWay study suggests that the prosperity gospel is on the rise among American evangelical churchgoers. We'll have details later in the program. And thieves swipe a massive air conditioner unit from an Atlanta church in the sweltering heat of summer. We begin today with news that Virginia Beach pastor John Blanchard has had his criminal record expunged after he was arrested a couple of years back in an underage prostitution sting. Blanchard is the lead pastor of Rock Church International, a large church in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and he was one of 17 men arrested in October of 2021. Each of the men corresponded with undercover detectives posing as minors, and they set up a time and a place to meet for sex. They were all arrested on site at those meeting places, including Blanchard. Just two days after his arrest, Blanchard led worship at his church. It wasn't until his arrest became public that he stepped away from the church duties, and then only temporarily. Blanchard's case has been in a constant state of flux. It has. uh, A year after his arrest, the charges against Blanchard were tentatively dropped, although that decision sparked a lot of pushback. The Chesterfield County Police Chief called it bewildering and voiced his disagreement on social media. Virginia State Delegate Tim Anderson said there was no excuse not to prosecute and went so far as to call the decision to drop the case an abuse of discretion. When Blanchard returned to the pulpit last December, he claimed his arrest was based on lies and part of a campaign to smear his reputation. Prosecutors had the option to refile the case against Blanchard if they felt they had enough evidence, but a special prosecutor opted not to do that, even though uh, he said he believed that the case against the pastor was sound. But He said Blanchard had held up his part of a plea agreement, which included submitting to specialized counseling. In a court judgment on August 23rd, the judge ruled to have Blanchard's record expunged and sealed. The special prosecutor over the case is not expected to object to the ruling. Of the 16 other men who were arrested along with Blanchard back in 2021, 13 of those men have been found guilty of at least one of the charges filed against them. Orrin, let's move on to our next story. Harding School of Theology in Memphis, Tennessee is moving after 65 years. The Harding School of Theology is part of Harding University and is the only freestanding seminary among the Churches of Christ denomination. It announced this week that it is moving to the university's main campus in Searcy, Arkansas, which is uh, over the Arkansas line from Memphis, but not too far away. Uh, They also said that the graduate school tuition in the theology programs will drop significantly from $740 per credit hour down to just $100 per credit hour. 
That change will start in fall of 2024. In an email to employees and students, Harding linked the move to an epidemic shortage of ministers. Jim Martin is vice president of the school, and he said that the challenges seminaries are facing are linked to the nationwide preacher shortage. As churches are dealing with how in the world to find ministers, seminaries are dealing with how to be sustainable, he said. Martin said that fall 2022 enrollment of 110 was a significant decline from previous decades, though it has increased slightly over the past two years. Our next story takes us to Atlanta, where thieves swiped a five-ton AC unit from Dixie Hills First Baptist Church, which is celebrating 91 years as a church. The church's pastor is the Reverend Michael Sutton, and he was understandably upset and said that the culprits had no decency or respect for the house of God. The air conditioning unit, which cools the worship area, will cost about $10,000 to replace. The pastor expressed the most concern for the comfort and safety of elderly worshipers. Fans' place in the sanctuary simply won't suffice, he said. Like much of the United States, Atlanta has been sweltering under high temperatures with the heat index often reaching triple digits. The thieves cut through padlocks and a protective caging that was around the unit, snipping the uh, air conditioner's copper wiring before hauling the unit away. Pastor Sutton is warning other local pastors to lock everything down and to be extra vigilant. He said that if the thieves had needed money, they should have requested help from the church instead of just stealing from it. Or let's look at one more story before the break. A Lutheran pastor who is among the 18 people indicted alongside former President Donald Trump on charges of trying to interfere with the 2020 presidential election in Georgia returned to his pulpit on Sunday, preaching in a small Illinois congregation just days after his arrest. The Reverend Stephen Lee is an emeritus pastor in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, uh, was the last of the 19 defendants to surrender to the Fulton County Jail in Georgia last week. Lee appears in his mugshot wearing his clerical collar. Lee preached Sunday at the Living Word Lutheran Church in Orland Park, which is a South West Chicago suburb. He's serving there as an interim pastor. He did not directly discuss the arrest or indictment during the church service, which was live streamed on YouTube, but he did make veiled references to his situation. The pastor also appeared to allude to his arrest at the beginning of the sermon when he praised the congregation and repeatedly thanked those in attendance who had prepared in case of his absence. Lee was originally expected to remain in the Fulton County Jail after his surrender on Friday uh, as he was initially unable to pay a bond for his $75,000 bail. But according to news reports, Lee's $7,500 bond was raised after a podcaster and longtime Trump supporter, Rochelle Richardson, who is sometimes known as Silk and was half of the one-time radio duo Diamonds and Silk, urged listeners of her podcast to make contributions. 
Lee is alleged to have attempted to influence a Georgia election worker in December of 2020 after Trump accused her and another election worker of election fraud. Nearly 20,000 people have signed a petition organized by the advocacy group Faithful America calling on Lee's denomination, again, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, the second of the three major Lutheran groups in the United States, to expel Lee because of his arrest, though it's unclear whether Lee will face any repercussions from the denomination. Warren, we need to take a break. When we return, a closer look at a Christian college offering correspondence courses to inmates. I'm Natasha Cowden, along with my co-host Warren Smith. We'll have that story and much more after this short break. Hey, everybody, Warren Smith interrupting the podcast for just a brief uh, moment to let you know that we're going to be doing a, a webinar on September the 13th. That is a Wednesday afternoon at four o'clock Eastern time. And that webinar is going to be how to find and read a form 990. Uh, we've done this webinar before and it's proven to be really popular. If you've never been to this webinar, I hope you'll uh, take a minute to or take an hour uh, to be with me for that webinar. If you've already attended the webinar, tell somebody else about it because we think this is a really important topic for Christian donors. They need to know how to read a Form 990. We talk about the Form 990 all the time here on Ministry Watch. Uh, we just think it's a really important uh, document and an important tool for donors. And uh, that's why we keep doing this webinar. And it continues to be popular. We usually have good attendance. So watch your inbox. I'll be sending you an email. You do have to sign up for it so we will know how many people are coming. But uh, it is free, absolutely free, and I hope to see you on September 13th, 4 o'clock Eastern Time, for how to find and read a Form 990. Now, let's get back to the podcast. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Cowden, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Up next, the story we promised before the break. It's a Christian college offering correspondence courses to inmates. That's right. We learned about International Christian College and Seminary because one of our readers, we'll call her Laura, she asked us not to use her last name because she works with uh, the incarcerated, did a little investigating. She, Laura has been working with inmates since 2009, and she knows that they can be vulnerable to scams. A Texas woman in prison asked her about the program of the International Christian College and Seminary. Uh, it was uh, a school that was offering a degree in counseling. First, tell us a little about ICCS. Well, according to the school's website, it was started in 2008 by a man named Alexander Varga. On its GuideStar profile, Varga said that he felt called by God to go to seminary in 2000, but couldn't afford it. That led him to a to establish an affordable online Bible college. He said he obtained the best, most qualified professors to write the curriculum and offered scholarships to disadvantaged students. The profile also says that the school is brimming with people. 
The ICCS website lists 16 associate degrees, 16 bachelor degrees like biblical studies, Christian ministry, and crusade evangelism ministry. It even lists master's and doctoral programs. Well, it all sounds good, but Laura's investigation really raised more questions than answers. It sure did. For one, the ICCS is pretty short on information about itself. It doesn't include a course catalog, degree program requirements, or tuition costs, though it does offer a limited-time $500 scholarship to enrollees. The website doesn't share current enrollment numbers either. However, it does talk about a program specifically designed for the incarcerated. A lot of the articles on its website talk about the need for education for inmates, and it encourages donors to sponsor an inmate's education and save 85% off the standard tuition price. Laura learned the program had an overall cost of $1,825 for the two-year program, which could be paid in monthly installments as low as $13. In fact, they encourage churches or sponsors to actually make those payments. But the main thing is that when we reached out to professors listed on the school's faculty page, we got a lot of strange responses. The school list of faculty lists 10 professors, and we heard back from three of them. We did. One of them was Blake Loy, who is a uh, listed on the website as a professor of biblical language. He said that he recorded one 45-minute lecture for the college around 2015. He had very limited interactions with ICCS, all of them by email, and that he had never been paid for the lecture. By the way, uh, the ICCS website lists Blake Loy as a pastor at a church that he hasn't been a pastor of in at least four years. In fact, Blake Loy left that church to go on to med school. Uh, He doesn't remember ICCS. CCS doing any vetting of his educational background or experience, and he doesn't didn't even know that he was still listed as a faculty member. Another was Enid Bozic, professor of foreign ministry. Yeah, Enid Bozic told us that she was never a professor of foreign ministry. She said that she sent an application to ICCS about a decade ago, but never got a response and never taught there. Did any of the faculty have a positive experience? Well, Ilza Lyle, who is listed as a professor of biblical nutrition, was the only one who said that she did have a positive experience. She said that she recorded instructional videos for them a few years ago and was paid for them in a timely manner. But she didn't know she was still listed as a faculty member either. Our reporter, Kim Roberts, also reached out to ICCS by phone. She did, but the person answering did not identify himself and declined to answer her questions, although he did say that he was not the ICCS president. He answered definitively that the college did not wish to participate in any article that Ministry Watch would write. What else did we find out? Well, ICCS claims to be accredited by an organization called the International Theological Accountability Association. 
an association that is not, in fact, recognized as an accrediting body by the U.S. Department of Education. One of the oldest accrediting agencies for faith-based education in the United States is called the Association of Biblical Higher Education, or ABHE, and it does not list ICCS as one of its members. It is also worth noting that ICCS is not a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Okay, Warren, so what do we make of all of this? Well, I think the bottom line is don't support this organization. If it's legitimate, it needs to be providing more information to the public. And if you or your church get solicited by this organization to sponsor incarcerated inmates, please let us know here at Ministry Watch. We'd like to do a follow-up story. Also, just a couple of general recommendations that this story uh, brings to mind. If you look at a ministry's website and there's no contact information, no photos and names of real people, in other words, they just use stock photos, those are huge red flags. Do not give money to any organization like that. Our next story is about Reaching Souls International, which claims it has planted 60,000 churches and has seen 100 million conversions since it was founded in 1986. The mission of Reaching Souls International is to reach the maximum number of people for Christ in the least amount of time in the most efficient way. So is it different from other missionary organizations? Well, in fact, it is. Uh, It empowers local leaders who are already passionate and engaged in sharing the gospel with their fellow countrymen, and they give them a stipend to expand their their reach. Reaching Souls gives them monthly support, an average of about $75 per month, which is not a lot, but in some of the countries in which these indigenous uh, missionaries are operating, that can be enough to support a family so that they can spend more time on evangelistic endeavors rather than on, say, subsistence farming. They are also given a bicycle, a portable sound system, and vinyl flip charts to help them illustrate the gospel message. And that's far cheaper than sending an American missionary. Well, it is a couple of thousand dollars a year as opposed to as much as a hundred to hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year to keep a, an American based missionary in the field. That's why that Reaching Souls says that it is now able to support more than two thousand national missionaries in fourteen countries. Before last year it's it supported only men, but in twenty twenty two it began supporting about a hundred women missionaries and plans to expand expand that number in the near future. In its early years, Reaching Souls found its missionaries through denominational leaders. Now they've been at it for so long that they have a network of missionaries who are discipling and mentoring others, young Timothys, they call them. So Reaching Souls now has a steady stream of applicants. So what do the missionaries actually do? Well, the missionaries are asked to host 12 open-air events per month, which is a pretty aggressive schedule. 
Beforehand, they often visit the villagers door-to-door before those services take place. After the event, they report results, and reaching souls keeps a tally, which is how they're able to come up with the numbers that we shared at the top of the story. According to its annual report, Reaching Souls said more than 6.8 million people made decisions for Christ in 2021 alone. The national missionaries aren't given a quota or a goal of any kind, so they aren't incentivized to inflate the numbers. At least that's what the leadership of of, uh, Reaching Souls says. Further, the ministry performs spot checks to verify the accuracy of the reports. Still, there are problems with this kind of reporting structure. Well, that's right. Many of the open-air events are held in transitory areas like bus stations, so not all the people who respond to the gospel can be discipled uh, very effectively. Also, it's not really possible to verify how many of the congregants attend the 60,000 churches that Reaching Souls claims to have planted. Now, they also say that seven baptized believers worshiping together are what they consider to be a church. However, the program of Reaching Souls, this new paradigm of funding indigenous missionaries rather than sending American missionaries, is resonating more and more with donors who have grown frustrated with large mission organizations and the old way of doing missions work. That's why Reaching Souls revenue grew from about $4 million in 2018 to almost $7 million last year. In the Ministry Watch database, I should also add, uh, Reaching Souls has an A transparency grade, which means that they release their Form 990s to the public, and they are members of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. They have a donor confidence score of 84, which means give with confidence. However, they do have a pretty low financial efficiency rating, just one out of five stars. They say that's in part because they have received a designated gift, a large designated gift of several million dollars that they have not yet spent. And uh, that means that they have a lot of assets, and that affects the way we measure financial efficiency. And we have one more story this week about missionary work, and this time right here in the United States. Yeah, we do. The United States has been called a nation of immigrants, and in Austin, Texas, they're turning that reality into a missions field opportunity. The Diaspora Network in Austin has brought together about 150 immigrant churches for resourcing, fellowship, and missions. The Anglican Church of North America, or ACNA, uh, began this Diaspora Network in part because it realized that many immigrants are actually more religious than many Americans, but they often feel left out or uncomfortable in the American church environment. Jonathan Kineberg is the leader of the Diaspora Network. He spoke to our reporter, Kim Roberts. He did, and he said this, we believe that diaspora, the global church presence in Austin and in the United States, represents one of the greatest hopes for renewal of the North American church. One pastor compared the American church to a mansion with a beautiful fireplace, but with no fire burning. And he believes that the energy of the immigrant community can rekindle that fire. And we're going to take another break when we return our lightning round of ministry news of the week. I'm Natasha Cowden with my co-host Warren Smith. More in a moment.
Hello, everybody. Warren Smith here interrupting the podcast one more time to let you know that uh, it's now September, of course, and uh, in new month means that we have a new donor premium. Uh, We're offering Restoring All Things, God's Audacious Plan for Changing the World Through Everyday People. It's a book that I wrote in 2015 with John Stone Street. John, of course, uh, many of you know, is the president of the Colson Center. He's an old friend and a great colleague. And, you know, John and I are both really um, pleased with this book. I can tell you that um, John and and the Colson Center use it as part of their Colson Fellows Program. And um, I, I just think that if you care about Christian ministries and you care about the life of the church in this country, that you'll want to read this book. This book talks about ministries that are doing great work uh, in this country. They're ministries that uh, I think that we can at least pray for, if not financially support. And honestly, too, it's a little bit of a palate cleanser um, for some of the bad news that we report on here at Ministry Watch. Now, I do want to be clear that I think all news that is true is good news because it does make us aware of what's going on in the world and what to do about it. Uh, But this is unabashed good news that you will read in Restoring All Things. So a gift of any size to Ministry Watch during the month of September, and you'll get a free copy of Restoring All Things as our thank you. Just go to ministrywatch.com and hit the donate button at the top of the page. Now let's get back to the podcast. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Cowden with my co-host, Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Well, we like to use this last segment as a sort of lightning round of shorter news briefs. What's up first? Well, a new survey found that the prosperity gospel has taken a firm grip on many American churchgoers. According to a study by LifeWay Research, 52% of American Protestant churchgoers say that their church teaches that God will bless them if they give more money to their church and to charities, with 24% saying they strongly agree. That's up from 38% of churchgoers uh, who agreed or strongly agreed with the survey in a 2017 LifeWay Research study. Additionally, churchgoers are more likely today than in 2017 to believe God wants them to be uh, to prosper financially and that they have to do something for God in order to receive material blessing from Him. Scott McConnell is the executive director of Lifeway Research, and he said this, In the past five years, far more churchgoers are reflecting prosperity gospel teaching, including the heretical belief that material blessings are earned from God. Is it possible that some of these people are simply affirming that disciplined and thrift, which are biblical principles, will result in wealth? Well, that is possible. McConnell said this. He said, the research does not rule out the possibility that biblical teachings have been poorly heard. But McConnell also said that just means that church leaders need to do a better job, be more clear and direct about what the Bible really teaches about money and generosity. And that is that we don't give to get. We give because joyful giving, generosity are a natural response to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Our next story is especially interesting to data geeks like you. 
Yeah, it is a partnership that includes Giving Tuesday, the Aspen Institute's program on philanthropy and social innovation, Charity Navigator, Citizen Audit, and the Urban Institute kicked off uh, this past week. They're building a clearinghouse for raw, clean, standardized nonprofit tax data. This collaboration combines the efforts of nonprofits, scholars, charitable giving data platforms, and many others to more widely share essential information that are that's captured on the IRS Form 990. This effort could significantly increase the transparency of nonprofit organizations, including many Christian ministries, since the Form 990 is a key way to know what is going on in a ministry. And by the way, Natasha, that reminds me, I'll be conducting once again what has proven to be our most popular webinar, which is how to find and read a Form 990. That webinar is absolutely free, and it'll take place on September 13th, just a couple of weeks from now. Watch your inbox for a sign-up link. Well, we're at the end of the month and the beginning of a new month, which means that we have a couple of new lists we do. First up is our list of the top 10 stories for the month of August. Jerry Falwell Jr. and the movie Sound of Freedom made the list this month. But the number one story was one that I wrote years ago about the Jesus Revolution figure Lonnie Frisbee. That story is the most popular story we've ever posted on the Ministry Watch website. It had, now has more than 100,000 page views. I think that's in part because of the Jesus Revolution movie. And occasionally it pops back up into our top 10. In fact, this month, once again, it was the number one story for the month of August. Each month, we also post a list of the largest ministries in a particular segment. This month, it's colleges and universities. That's right. And this is the fourth year that we've done this list. And every year, either Liberty University or Grand Canyon University tops the list. This year, it's Grand Canyon University. Both schools are approaching $2 billion in revenue. And I should also add that this list, which is normally pretty static, had a lot of movement this year. I think that goes you know, back to uh, one of the stories that we talked about earlier, which is that there's just a lot of turmoil in the world of higher ed right now. And uh, we're seeing, you know, schools close, schools merge, uh, some winners and some losers. So I do recommend checking out the list this year and see who has, in fact, risen or fallen in the year gone by. Warren, do you have any final thoughts before we go? Well, as you said, Natasha, it is a new month, and we have a new gift for donors. This month, we'll be sending a copy of my book, Restoring All Things to You, if you make a gift of any size during the month of September. I wrote this with my friend and former Colson Center colleague, John Stone Street, and I think that you'll find this book to be a blessing. It highlights how God is using ministries and individuals to make a positive difference in the world. Sort of a little palate cleanser after some of the bad news that we often report here at Ministry Watch. So just go to the Ministry Watch website and hit the donate button at the top of the page. 
The producers for today's program are Rich Rosel and Jeff McIntosh. We get database and other technical support from Stephen DeBerry, Rod Pitzer, and Casey Suddeth. Writers who contributed to today's program include Cheryl Bacon, Daniel Ritchie, Kim Roberts, and Marissa Postel Sullivan. A special thanks to the Nonprofit Times, the Christian Chronicle, Church Leaders, and Lifeway Research for contributing materials for this week's podcast. And you've been listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.